Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you are listening to VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. Today is Wednesday, October 23rd, 2019. My name is Eric Nelson with me, and I have my co-host, Corey Romero. Corey, how are you doing today? Hey, Eric. Doing great. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. We're just uh, getting uh, ready for to head out to Europe. We've got one more week getting all the final details on everything that's going on. Uh, so it's a, And it's a beautiful day in uh, Northern California. We've been flip-flopping from winter to summer, so it's been in the low 80s uh, all week this week, kind of hot. And uh, color of the bay is it is a, uh, a light green, pretty sunny and bright, uh, pretty calm, not very much wind today. So uh, went by the, the bay this morning, and it's uh, definitely uh, three shades lighter of green. So it's a beautiful sunny day in California. Uh, calm weather seems like it's almost like a June, July mid weather kind of day. How's it out there in Utah? Yeah, it's uh, winter's hitting in Utah. We got uh, snow last weekend, and uh, it's a little warmer now. It's around 50s, 60s, but uh, yeah, I think we're going to have that for about another eight days, and then we're gonna, we're going to dive into winter. The mountains around right. us are all full of snow, which is which is which is gorgeous. So you know, love seeing that. Well, I know that we're heading out to Barcelona next week, or you know, I think a week and uh, two days, or some number like that. And so we should be in balmy Barcelona, or Barcelona. Yeah, you yeah. Want to say. Should be should be good. Be nice. On the show today, on the show today, we're going to cover VBLI's Operations 8.0. There's a new release out, and uh, we have Matt Bradford and John Diaz back. Uh, uh, we had him on, I think, in April of this year on the podcast to talk about uh, vRealize Operation 7.5. So uh, they're cranking out the releases. We've got both Matt and John on the call. But before we get to them, we'll just do a little bit of the news and uh, give everybody prep for VMworld. And, uh, Corey, I think you have some VXware announcements as well, so we'll do those. So getting, we don't have much announcements for VMworld other than, hey, it's upon us November 4th through the 7th. Uh, community area will be open on Sunday, so you can come by and say hello to us. We'll be there. Corey, Kripa, uh, Jenny, Tommy, myself, even Julia, our studio manager, she's going to be there. Uh, so we're going to be running uh, all of the stuff that we normally run. We've got Raspberry Pis. We've got uh, sensors. We've got Kubernetes uh, that we're going to be do- showing you how to install Kubernetes on Raspberry Pis. Uh, we obviously, the blogger tables are going to be there. We have Alistair Cook with V Brown Bag. His crew is going to be there. A lot of great sessions. Uh, still some openings in Schedule Builder. So if you're interested in any of the code sessions or V Brown Bag sessions, you can go check those out. Or just come by. We always have standing room uh, at, the, at the community's booth where you can come in, say hello, hang out. We are going to be running a Tanzu contest. So you've heard it here first. If, uh, if for whatever reason you're not a V-expert and you're going to be at Barcelona, we're going to have uh, in the backpack, backpacks that you get as part of the conference uh, material, I don't think they're going to do a contest. I think you can just get your backpack with the material. There's also going to be a T-shirt in there. It's going to be a Tanzu T-shirt. So uh, get your Tanzu T-shirt. Uh, get you and a friend to put them on and take a selfie and publish it. And we're going to be giving away some extra Raspberry Pis for guys that uh, maybe want a second one or didn't get one as part of the expert program. Uh, we'll have some extra Raspberry Pis. We're also giving away Raspberry Pis in uh, the CloudCred booth uh, over in the HOL area. And we're giving away free sensors if you take Kubernetes, um, Kubernetes Labs. So a lot of way to get your Raspberry Pis and your sensors. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Have some good times with community. Uh, Corey, what's going on with V Experts coming up uh, over the? I know you got some announcements. Why don't you tell us about what's, what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. So yesterday we had a, a, a meeting with the. You know, we had a webinar with the Tanzu team, which was fantastic. Um, so V Experts, hey, if you missed it, the recording's in your email. Go ahead and listen to it. 
Um, so as far as the VXPERT program goes, applications are going to open in November. So when we get back from Barcelona, I'm gonna, we're going to kick off the VXPERT 2020 applications. And along with that, uh, I spoke with the VXPERT uh, sub-program leads yesterday. We're going to go and align the VXPERT sub-programs along with the larger VXPERT program. So in the past, we've had these VXPERT sub-program applications kind of randomly open up um, in, in, for submissions. And so we're going to now kick off all three sub-program applications um, a week excuse me, a week after we announced the 2020 VXPERT Awards. Um, so along with that, with the VXPERT program, we uh, are released licenses for both vRealize Suite 2018 and vRealize Suite 2019. So those are now available in the VXPERT portal under, uh, under licenses. So make sure you go into the downloads, get the bits, and then go into licenses and plug those in. Um, along with that, on October 30th, 8 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, we're having a Project Pacific webinar with the Project Pacific team. Um, if you missed the invite, the invite is in your mail. And if you don't have it, reach out to me, please. Um, so, yeah, that's all we got for VExpert News this week. All right. That sounds like you're, you've been busy and the program's been busy, and I know you're also ramping up for VMworld, uh, VMworld Europe. And also, I know you're doing a lot of blog work, so i got to uh, remind all the experts that, hey, don't forget uh, the idea of experts is you're giving back the community, you're publishing content, you're writing articles. So make sure that uh, not only do we bring you in and, uh, and, and get you access and get you licenses, but we're also looking for that outbound content as well, right? So uh, it'll be interesting to see how the apps turn out this year and, uh, you know, remind everybody that, hey, coming into VMworld, make sure that you're putting out some articles and, uh, you know, creating some noise for us because uh, that's always something that we're measuring, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we've uh, we've had a couple blog articles come in uh, for pre VM World articles, and uh, we've also had a couple questions around what we can talk about from the Tanzu webinar. So I sent out mail today asking for that. Um, so V experts, that's in your mail as well. You can go ahead and blog about v, uh, VMware Tanzu, um, but there are some details of that conversation that you cannot blog about, uh, and those details are in your mail. But yeah, absolutely, blogging is a large part of the program. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would say that uh, we recorded a multi-cloud podcast yesterday, myself and David Jasu from the marketing department. We had a couple of the Tanzu guys come in uh, that worked uh, for Heptios to talk about Tanzu. And I got to say, I'm becoming a Tanzu fan, right? Which is just between, you know, when you talk about build, uh, deploy, uh, run, and manage, or build, uh, uh, run and manage, I think, are, are terms. Like, I'm looking at it going, you know, we have a pretty sweet story when it comes to enterprise cloud-native apps and enterprise Kubernetes now uh, with Pacifica and plugging all that in. i got to say, the Tanzu story, if you guys haven't heard about this and uh, come up to speed, it's actually pretty good. And it dovetails right into vSAN, uh, NSX, and, uh, of course, vSphere and ESX. So uh, really, really strong story. And I, I think, personally, we've got the strongest story out there for complete enterprise computing, right? Uh, whether we call them heritage applications that are out there already running on vSphere, whether we call it multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, or whether we call them you know, cloud-native apps and modern apps and new apps, greenfield apps, coming in and plugging on this infrastructure, I've got to say that our story is, is, is really solid, and it's solid software like, we, like we've always had, solid software in ESX, uh, NSX, and vSAN. The, the Tanzu story looks really strong, so I'm pretty happy about that. All right, enough of the Tanzu story. Corey, thanks for the update. Uh, anything else before we get to our, our main topic today? That's it. Thank you so much, Eric. All right, perfect, perfect. All right, well, on the show, we'll do our introductions first, and then we'll get to the topics. Again, the show is vRealize Operations 8.0. Uh, you can go back to pre previous podcasts and search on our podcast if you want to hear them talk about 7.5. But Matt uh, Bradford, John Diaz, Matt, how's it going? Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Give us the one-minute elevator pitch of who you are and how long you've been at VMware and what do you work on? Oh man, only a minute. All right. Yeah. Hey guys. Well, I'm Matt Bradford. I'm a uh... <laughs> right. You already did this, so most people have got to know you already. But all right, give, I'll give you two and a half minutes. Go for it. Okay. All right. Uh, let's sit back here. So yeah. Hey guys. I'm uh, Matt Bradford, Senior Technical Marketing Manager for VMware's Cloud Management Business Unit. So we're the 
um, business unit responsible for essentially the V-Realize suite and uh, a bunch of other great things. So um, work with uh, John Diaz here. We're focused on V-Realize operations and uh, um, just had a new release come out last week with 8.0. So excited to be here to talk about it. Um, also run or uh, uh, with my team run the vXpert cloud management sub program and uh, uh, you can catch me on the Twitters at VMSpot. VMSpot, there you go. How's that? That, Perfect. Was, that was less, that was less than good. two and a half minutes. <laughs> You're becoming a pro. You're becoming a pro. John, John Diaz, uh, why don't you tell us uh, how long you've been at VMware and what do you work on and uh, what's your Twitter handle? Yeah, so I've been at VMware, uh, it'll be nine years in January, actually. Got my eight-year cubes uh, last year, so that was awesome. And uh, I am also in technical marketing with Matt, so we both work on vRealize operations uh, in addition to other uh, products in the BU. Uh, so I create uh, enablement, demos, uh, slides, uh, write blog posts, etc. cetera, uh, for, you know, product launches, uh, keep up with the latest uh, and greatest in uh, features and in, in, uh, goodness that we'll talk about today. And if you want to follow me on tr Twitter, I'd be glad to have you tag along. It's John D. Diaz at, uh, or at John D. Diaz. Uh, that's right. two Ds in the middle. Got it. At John D. Yeah. Diaz. Cool. All right. Well, welcome to the show and uh, again, and uh, we'll talk about uh, you guys. I got to say for V-Realize Operations, uh, you guys are coming out with releases, 7.5. I think we talked about in April, so it was probably maybe launched in February of last year. And you guys are already talking about 8.0. I know you made some announcements on uh, uh, at San Francisco, too, about the SaaS service stuff. So uh, what do you want to talk about first? And who wants to go first and tell us a little bit about what's been going on? Sure. Um, yeah, we're actually, it's funny. I mean, if John's been here nine years, that's about as long as uh, V realize has been a uh, V realize operations has been a product too. So, um, you know, you're both, you're both tenured here, it's to be true. Aware. but, uh, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've seen it all. Yeah. I mean, V Rops has aged more gracefully than I have, but <laughs> that's not true. Um, so yeah, it, you know, last Thursday we uh, just released vRealize Operations 8 uh, alongside Log Insight 8 and uh, vRealize Automations 8.0. So a bit of a pattern going on here, but um, you know, another uh, big release for us. And yeah, I mean, as you said, we're uh, uh, we're, we're cranking out releases a couple of year now. So um, a lot of great new things here in 8.0 to talk about today. Um, you know, we've got some uh, platform changes, as, as you mentioned. There's a, a SaaS-based service that we uh, we talked about out at VMworld in San Francisco. Uh, we got some more stuff to talk about when we head out to Barcelona in a couple weeks too. Um, you know, we're uh, just just packing more features into the product, so um, hopefully we can try to cover as many as we can in this call. All right, great. All right, well let's uh, let's dive in. Yeah. Yeah, if we want to talk about the platform first, since that came up, Matt, um, one of the, you know, of course, the SaaS uh, offering is uh, really exciting. Uh, we're calling it Realize Operations Cloud, uh, and uh, it's got practically the same name because it is exactly the same product, but will be offered in a SaaS form factor. So it's easy for people to consume. They don't have to worry about sizing. They don't have to worry about upgrades and, then you know, all the administrative tasks that go uh, into that. We'll take care of all that for them, uh, and they can just enjoy the same product that they uh, have normally been running on-premises in their data centers. Uh, they can even import their content if they have custom content that they've created. They'll be able to bring that in. So we, we take all the, all the less desirable parts of uh, using vRealize operations, and we leave you with you know, just the goodness uh, included in that. So what we announced in San Francisco was the uh, tech preview, which has uh, is underway uh, with a handful of select customers, and at this current stage, we're accepting nominations for beta for the uh, Realize Operations Cloud. And that'll kick off. the The nominations are now open, so anyone can go to cloud.vmware.com and sign up for that. They can uh, expect to hear something around the January timeframe is when the beta will kick off and it'll it'll run through probably 
when we do our service availability later in that uh, in that first part of the year. So if you're interested in it, uh, I encourage you to go ahead and, and sign up uh, for that. Yeah, I have a you know questions that pop into my mind here when you when you're talking about that. Like the biggest thing that I always get into when I when I think about you know then switching to a cloud uh, based service is what's the connectivity back to my data center and how much work am I going to have to do to get agents to communicate you know the status of of my infrastructure back to uh, back to a SaaS based operations management. Maybe you can take us through like how, how difficult is this going to be to be able to run something out in the cloud that's then starting to help me manage my infra- infrastructure on-prem? And how, how does that communication traffic happen? Is it seamless? Yeah, no, that's, a, that's actually a great question. Um, what we're doing is just like our other cloud services from VMware, uh, many of them uh, feature a part of the architecture called a cloud proxy uh, that is deployed in your private data center on-premises and will act as a collector uh, that will forward any of the data that we need, uh, handle it, you know, uh, be a broker for any commands that are passed from the product back to, uh, say, the vCenter, for example. If you tell vRealize v- v- Operations you want to take a snapshot of a virtual machine, for example, you know, that would come back through the, the cloud proxy. So in reality, all you have to do is deploy an appliance in your data center, and uh, as long as it has internet access, it's a, it's, a, it's a proxy, as the name indicates. So it'll reach out and make that connection to the uh, cloud service or the uh, vRealize Operations Cloud. And once it appears in vRealize Operations Cloud, you can then proceed to normally consume vRealize Operations as you would. And, you know, add the cloud account for the vCenter, It'll start monitoring the VMs and, and give you all the details. So it's pretty easy to start. In fact, I, I have a demo that we had created and I showed at VMworld San Francisco. I'll actually be doing another session in Barcelona for VMworld, and I'll do the same demo again, but it just walks you through the process and of onboarding, and it's a very simple, uh, very quick demo. <laughs> so there's not a lot, a lot to it. Nice. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense. And uh, I, I assume SSL encryption 128 or whatever you were running to, 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 that, to that proxy. And so that basically once you get that proxy set up and it's secure, I'm good to go. I don't need any network fabric because the data that's moving back and forth isn't super high bandwidth, I would have guessed. It's just management data. Right. right? Yeah, exactly. So it's, yeah, it's not going to be, you know, super high bandwidth, you know, latency tolerant and those types of things. We don't quite have the specs yet on that uh, to share, but, you know, certainly we will share those uh, when when we've finished a lot of our qualification and testing and so forth. But, um, yeah, when you first set it up, uh, the, the, the way that you secure the, configure, the communication initially is there's a one-time token in the vRealize Operations Cloud UI. Uh, it's actually, there's a four-step process in the UI, and you click on a button to generate that secure token, and then you take and copy and paste that token into vCenter as you're doing the v, uh, OVA deployment, uh, and it will use that key to authenticate initially, and then from there on, of course, it's a, it's a uh, secure communication between the two. Makes sense. Um, other thing that pops into my mind is, you know, uh, how much does it cost the expert to to try? I guess you can sign up for beta. Is beta going to be free? So if guys want to start to learn this and use this and just have this under their belt, is there ways to do it? I know that we've always had challenges with the cloud products with regard to like, you know, when we give licenses out, Corey talks about license availability. Those are easy on-prem. gets a little more tricky when you're talking about cloud services that are <laughs> in, uh, AWS because we have to pay for that, the, 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 the exactly. running. So I assume we're going to yeah, have so the same, same problem there. Yeah, it's and and it's uh, it's it's something that we're trying to figure out how to do. We've tossed some ideas uh, around internally about how we want to offer this not only to our field, of course, customers that sign up for the beta. Yeah, there's no cost uh, to that. It'll just be like an evaluation uh, period that you would undergo for the on-premises uh, vRealize operation. So we're not going to we're not going to hit you up for that. Um, right, so but, I would uh, say if you're the expert, go join the beta program, get it for free while you can. 
right? Because yeah, exactly. Yeah. Ever. So I would I would do that, and uh, we're coming. We're trying to come up with other options, like you know, have maybe a demo instance or something that people can just connect to if they just want to poke around. I, nothing's uh, firm, but uh, you know, yeah. So we're we're trying to think of ways to deliver that because that is obviously a big concern. Is like, hey, I want to try the service out, but I'm not ready to buy. But I may be what if I can try the service yeah. out. <laughs> Another solution that's happened there that I've seen work really well is just the HOLs end up building a HOL that exposes you to yeah. the SaaS service. And you just go do the HOL and you basically learn how it works anyway. And that, 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 gets, that gets you three quarters of the way there anyway, if not all the way there. So that's, an, that's another yeah. way for experience of these yeah. things. And honestly, you know, the, the, the thing about having, you know, it's the same code base as the on-premises version of eRealize Operations. So really, right. once you're onboarded, there's practically no difference between the two. So, you know, if you want to try it, HOL is a great way to, you know, even if it's the on-premises version deployed in HOL, it's, it's still the same bits. It still works the same way. A lot of features that we want to talk about today are going to be in there. So. Yeah, that's that's one of the upsides of of having the same code base. All right, great. So let's move on from uh, from platform, right? Which is obviously SaaS service. What other features do we want to touch on? Could we talk about the troubleshooting workbench? Because I want to talk about the troubleshooting workbench. <laughs> we've got. <laughs> yeah, so we've we've included this in uh, eight dot zero um, to. You know, basically bring to your attention as, as you're trying to troubleshoot issues, bring to your attention things like, um, did anybody make any changes, right? So configuration changes, are there any, um, any sort of anomalies going on in our environment? And, um, you know, basically using this tool on uh, any, any object within vRealize operations, whether it's a VM, whether it's a, a you know, a USXI host, an application, so forth, um, you know, just, just pulling a lot of stuff in there. So, um, a lot more development. I mean, we're really touting the whole AI ML thing with vRealize operations, and you know, here's just even more stuff that we're uh, we're just trying to bake into it. That sounds interesting. Uh, okay, so uh, the workbench. Uh, what do we call that again? Troubleshooting workbench, baked in. Yeah, troubleshooting. Yeah, troubleshooting workbench. Yeah, so. Basically, the way it works is it gathers uh, potential evidence if you have an issue. Let's say if there's an alert that is fired in the environment, right? Uh, an alert for high CPU on a virtual machine. And uh, you want to try to get to the root cause. Now, normally, you know, you use something like the uh, metrics tab on the VM, maybe some of the other dashboards, the troubleshooting dashboard, things like that, to work through the problem and try to correlate a lot of the events, like what's happened during, you know, when this situation kicked off, when it started, what was happening. Uh, look at any metrics that have started to behave differently than they normally do, metric anomalies or anomalous metrics, I should say. Uh, and then property changes. Did something change in the environment? You know, did the CPU get a, a configuration change or did the uh, VM get a configuration change that may have constrained CPU usage, or did it move to a different host? Was there a vMotion, for example? So instead of you having to go find all of those elements, the machine learning that Matt's talking about will actually take the time period and the scope that you wish to observe, and, the, and the, by the scope, I mean all the related objects. So, you know, vRealize Operations already understands how VM infrastructure relates to the virtual machine. We can also understand how the OS and the application residing on that virtual machine interrelate with that infrastructure, and we can extrapolate that on out to the hardware layer and so forth. So we can examine that entire scope, or as narrow or as wide as you want that scope to be within a given time range, and, and give you in one view events, changes, and anomalous metrics that may be interesting to you to help speed the time to resolution uh, for that issue. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, when, we, when we're considering modern infrastructure, where as soon as we went into SSD land where, you know, we have memory disks, um, how much of this, how, if I have a thousand machines running, you know, like 
what am I seeing from a failure rate these days, right? Like you guys must see the trend, right? Like where how much equipment is actually failing on a regular basis now and how and that now if you talk AI and you talk uh, this this ability to just track down issues, I'm just thinking that if I've got a thousand, wor- you know, machines running with workloads, how many mach- how many problems am I seeing these days? Are we actually seeing less and less troubleshooting needs as as we as the industry progresses and as our software gets more sophisticated uh i guess i'll ask you guys this like how much are you seeing this ai and these tools starting to remove problems along with the idea that you know we don't have moving parts in in compute units any longer um can you guys talk on where we are in the industry with regard to how much time an it guy has to spend troubleshooting these days yeah, I mean, I'll I'll start, and Matt, you may want to talk about uh, something else that we're working on. But um, yeah, I I think that the troubleshooting there are probably less problems uh, with within individual silos, but I think it's a much more complex world now, right? So we've got software to find everything, and the virtual administrator who was really you know in the past was only worried about the compute stack. And troubleshooting that uh, now has to worry about storage and networking. And one of the other things that we realize is that having application visibility is important. Not that the virtual administrator would troubleshoot an OS or application, but they need to understand what is running in their infrastructure, what, which applications are running, what OSs are running in their infrastructure, so that they make a change. Uh, to you know a host configuration or a cluster or something like that, and that creates a problem. They know which applications are impacted, right? So they have at least that visibility, and it could work better with the application teams uh, and be more proactive in that regard. So I, I think it's a it's a it's a much safer world in terms of the number of problems. You know, obviously the the platforms. Are, a lot more stable than it than it was in the early days, but I think the problem is now complexity, and that's that's really what we're tackling with uh, some of our capabilities. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah, sense, right? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, as as we're getting certainly more complex, I mean, we're seeing a lot more applications out there too. So we're kind of shifting focus a little bit from infrastructure to more of you know keeping the applications running, keeping people happy. There will always be. Um, you know, problems as long as we've got people at keyboards on the other end of, of these applications, right? So it's a matter of just building out the tools that are going to help you to um, identify these as quickly as possible. So like, for example, I mean, obviously a troubleshooting workbench is great. Um, in 7.5, we introduced metric correlation. So being able to say, hey, I see this happening in my environment. Tell me where else this is happening, right? So whether, um, uh, say, CPU spiking, maybe we uh, notice that, hey, our, our um, uh, I.O. is also spiking or, or maybe that's dropped or, um, you know, as a result of it and so forth. So being able to kind of do that sort of correlation automatically helps with that time resolution. But also, um, you know, with like uh, 8.0, John mentioned we, we've got more applications that we can monitor, um, but we can also go into the guest uh, even if we don't have application monitoring turned on. Uh, we can still pull in information. So if we see that this virtual machine is running at 100% CPU, something has run away, um, we can actually reach into the guest and, and pull, you know, essentially run run a top command and, you know, show me what processes are running on this virtual machine and what's consuming what. So, you know, again, I mean, we're, we're not necessarily seeing less problems, but um, just trying to build tools that are going to help you to move on to the next task faster. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. And uh, uh, VProbish on, uh, on on chat actually commenting. I'm seeing my infrastructure guys moving up the stack to application support, right? So mm-hmm. add to your right as yeah. as the platform stuff as these tools like V Realize Operations, which I think if you're running a large data center, you should just have because there's so much functionality and just managing uh, your stack that y- yeah you can climb up the stack and actually start worrying about you know reliability of apps. And, uh, and as apps are coming down into uh, DevOps where you have continuous integration, those two are meeting and these kind of tools probably do uh, allow you to have more time to focus at the higher level as opposed to just worrying about compute and network and, and storage individually, which can take a lot of time. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, it's, it's an exciting yeah. time. There's a lot of things, you know, a lot more as administrators, we're seeing a lot more exposure to a lot more things too. Right. So um, as we're going fully software defined, we're, you know, we have a hand in the networking. Now we have a hand in the storage and everything. So, um, you know, we definitely have a lot more visibility, but you know, there, there are still some of those uh, political constructs and, um, you know, again, having a tool that we can use to prove, I mean, when I was a, a customer, a sysadmin, uh, half my time was spent trying to convince other people that, you know, the problem isn't with us. The problem is with, you know, your application and, and being able to prove that it, it's a challenge, right? So um, again, just trying to make those things simpler, being able to share, you know, here's exactly what I'm seeing, right? And you can see it live with me, um, you know, just, I don't know, I guess more proof of innocence too, but that, that kind of weighs into a lot of the process as well. So, yeah. I think right. it's, yeah, and, and I think it's about working to, to better together with the entire uh, organization, right? So, you know, one of the things that, you know, Matt talked about is like, hey, I, you know, I, I think it may be the app, but instead of pointing fingers, we can be more cooperative, you know, as IT ops and say, I think it's the app because I'm seeing certain, you know, interesting metrics that this troubleshooting workbench has surfaced up that happen to correlate with when this event started. So I, instead of me just tossing things over the fence, I can be more prescriptive and say it looks like, you know, a problem with the MySQL database or, you know, something like that. Now, along with that, you've come other ways that we can help the organization be better stewards of the environment. And one of those is costing, which we, we had a lot of new developments in, uh, not only showing uh, capacity, but also costing. Uh, we've got tight integration now with vRealize automation in terms of where it gets its pricing information from, its uh, placement information from, you know, can I, where should I deploy this new workload in, within a, a given cloud zone? And we can, realize operations can actually uh, give advice about, well, this cluster is actually, you know, got a really high utilization. You should probably put it on this, this other cluster, one of these other clusters in the cloud zone, for example. And then the costing information is all within vRealize operations uh, whereas before, customers would have to have vRealize business for cloud, and they would have to deploy and manage yet another product. Uh, so we've, we've simplified that, and we've really brought cost awareness and cost visibility into the IT ops uh, fold, where before, you know, if you talk to virtual administrators, and, and me being one in the past, I wasn't really that worried about costs because we were getting a lot of, advantages, you know, we were seen as heroes just from the consolidation that we were doing, you know, in, in uh, virtualization. That's but now the, the, the bar is raised, right? That's actually interesting. I'll stop for a minute and say, yeah, that is absolutely a, a great concept, which is in that from 2006 until 2015, the dollar amount that didn't really matter for spinning up new VMs because the 20 to 1 cost effectiveness of going virtual was so compelling that nobody asked, you know, how much more money are we going to spend on licenses? It was just, it was just a given, right? But now that we've yeah. actually we've accrued that 20 to 1 savings, everybody's already got that. Now additional compute resources is actually additional cost that you have to track and, and charge back or justify because the new base set for the cost of a VM is now virtual by default. And now extra dollars needs, you know, extra commitment from VUs and so forth. So being able to fold that in, that makes a lot of sense. That's a great concept for everybody to understand, right? Yeah. And, and, and the thing is, is that, uh, you know, when, this, when the table started to turn and businesses, a lot of this, you know, with the rise of public cloud and, you know, uh, virtual administrators and IT ops were being asked, it's like, well, wouldn't it be cheaper for us to do things in the cloud and, you know, it, it was hard to answer that question because you didn't know what it cost to do it on-prem necessarily. And so having that cost visibility helped defend them. But also we're able to, to show those app owners uh, what their contribution is to that overall cost. And that's where the, it's important to have that pricing information based on the cost that we uh, generate in vRealize operations appear in those vRealize automation 
deployments so that people understand up front what it's going to cost, even if there's not a chargeback, but just the cost. So that cost visibility really elevates everyone's awareness about um, you know, what, what the impact is of just deploying numerous VMs when you don't really need them, for example, right? All right, moving moving on. Uh, you know, we we now we have the tool uh, the toolkit workbench or whatever we're calling that that feature. Got Troubleshooting workbench. Trouble, Remember troubleshooting, that. <laughs> yeah. Troubleshooting workbench. Got it. So uh, and, you know, I'll step up for a second before we go to the next feature. But I would say that, like for me, if I was running a data center, which I'm not, I have my own rack, but that's about it. Uh, I would say that you know, obviously, vSphere, vSAN, NSX. And then uh, obviously vCenter to manage, but now vRealize operations almost like one of these. Just you should have it, right? And and I guess the question from that comment for me when I'm evaluating the complexity of my software stack that I want to use to run things, how is vRealize operations doing from a penetration perspective? Are people starting to understand that you know once you have vCenter and you're running you know at at that level now v, vRealize operations is that is that step up? Are, are we starting to get that message out? Are people starting to use it? Uh, and what percentage do we think our customer base is using this today? Do we think we're up at like 30%? Yeah, actually our penetration is pretty high. I don't right. like it's okay to speculate. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, and I don't I don't know the I don't have the exact figure, but I think I think 30 to 40% or even higher is is probably fair. Um but I will tell you that it has become more of a critical ingredient for those customers that are considering uh hybrid cloud and public cloud. Right, and so what they want is the ability to man continue to manage their infrastructure, but also adopt these uh, newer platforms without having to kind of refit and retool and and you know bring on additional staff with specific uh, levels of expertise or areas of expertise. And vRealize Operations allows them uh, to to do just that. Uh, and of course, it's built on the whole, you know, uh, foundation of what VMware is doing as a whole in terms of where we're taking, you know, people on their cloud journey. And and vRealize Operations obviously is built as as part of the mechanism to support. You answered that. my question. You answered my question. Thank you for that. Uh, moving on, new features. Anything else? You know, we've only covered one new feature. Uh, let's let's talk about some other ones that are in 8.0, and then I'll 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 follow up with uh, uh, how hard is it to upgrade. But let's get into some more new features. Okay. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, John touched on uh, a lot of the capacity planning. Um, so you know, we've put a lot of uh, uh, extra work into focusing on vSAN, uh, for for example, right? Being able to look at things from because vSAN being um, a, a different architecture from, you know, the traditional uh, SAN running in your data center, we've created uh, basically what if scenarios. So, hey, what if I wanted to deploy these 32 virtual machines to this vSAN cluster? What would it look like? And, you know, we can apply uh, storage policies to that. How many failures do we want to tolerate? What's the RAID level? What's, uh, you know, maybe my um, assumed dedupe ratio? Things like that, so you know we can we can bake all of this sort of stuff uh, into our capacity planning. So instead of just you know doing the old school Excel spreadsheet and okay, I've got 16 gigs of RAM to this VM and I'm going to subtract that from my cluster and so forth, and basically leaves a lot of resources on the table. Uh, we're able to uh, you know really look at true utilization. Uh, we can look at uh, existing virtual machines. We can look at uh, brand new spec VMs. And you know, start to plug those in and take a look at what is our environment truly going to look like. And we could even take that, you know, many, many, many steps further from like the old Excel days of being able to look into the future too. So looking uh, even a, a year into the future, you know, what is what does this cluster look like? Um, you know, based on previous deployments or maybe adding resources to it, and being able to trend that out to the point where we can actually figure out okay, when might we run out of resources? If I'm going to deploy these virtual machines to this cluster, am I going to need to purchase new hardware in the next 30 days? Or do I have, um, you know, plenty of time? Do I have, you know, 90 days or 120 days or even, you know, 
more than enough capacity and I don't even have to worry about it. So, you know, just being able to make that a whole lot simpler, um, save a lot more time. But also, if you don't have enough resources, we can stack scenarios too and say, okay, um, there's not enough uh, capacity in this cluster for these VMs. How many hosts, how many vSAN hosts or, or even traditional hosts do I need to add to this cluster to be able to satisfy those? So, you know, taking these things that, that used to take, I mean, I, I don't know, I'd spend hours on these kinds of things. Um, you know, as a project lands on my desk and, and try to, you know, figure all this sort of stuff out. Now I can do it in, in about five minutes. So, um, but on top of that too, and, and John touched on this, is being able to do some comparison um, across public clouds or, or even looking at other data centers uh, within your environment to find maybe there's a cheaper place to run these virtual machines or, you know, maybe I do want to consider running this in VMware Cloud or um, any of the other public cloud services. So, you know, really just kind of feeding a lot of information, trying to help with um, just smart decision making. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know that you guys in 7.5 kind of, and, and uh, you know, uh, did a lot of work on vSAN integration and vSAN workloads. So mm-hmm. this is kind of just taking that, uh, moving that forward, right? As uh, as you guys keep doing releases of products, you're you're just adding more more capability to that, you know, predictiveness. Exactly. Yep. Good. And I will I will do a quick shout out for people that want to actually spend time. Um, listening to an old podcast where you guys talk about, you know, the, uh, the main benefits, because I know we're just talking about what's new in 8.0, but if you want to go back and listen to kind of the vRealize operations, you know, main tenants, uh, podcast number 474, uh, uh, pod is our podcast address, and we have all our podcasts there by number. And 474, you guys come on the show and take us kind of on the true value prop of uh, vRealize automation. So, uh, Good, good, uh, good to just shout out to that that podcast because it's not that old, and so we can take you through a, a lot of those benefits. But then, uh, all right, that's a that's a new feature that was uh, good to touch on. Uh, other things that you, you guys have worked on in 8.0 that people m- might want to be aware of. There's some com- updates to the compliance uh, capabilities that we have. We of course uh, updated the compliance. Uh, templates uh, with this latest release, and then we also changed the workflow uh, to make it a little bit more user-friendly, and we also have new compliance benchmarks that are not new compliance benchmarks, but we enabled our existing compliance benchmarks for, say, the vSphere Security Hardening Guide to extend into the uh, the, the hybrid SDDC. So you'll see two tabs now, one for your on-premises SDDC for compliance, and then one for VMware Cloud on AWS. Uh, so that's a nice capability. We also added benchmarks for vSAN compliance as well as NSXT. So you'll see those in there. And we've given the ability to be able to import export compliance benchmarks, custom compliance benchmarks that you may create. So uh, if you want to share uh, those or you have multiple clusters of vRealize operations or, say, migrating to vRealize operations cloud, for example, you'll be able to import and export uh, any custom compliance benchmarks that you create. Oh, that's interesting, right? I know we talked on the old podcast about compliance as one of the major tenants, right? Um, and so moving that forward, so the templates, uh, when, you, when, we're, when we're running a compliance audit, it, how does that actually work? So not, now I know I can import a template or I can build a custom, custom compliance you know, definition. Uh, what happens when I import one of those? Uh, is it actually stuff that runs against my infrastructure to, to, to check, uh, you know, whether permissions are right or whether I've got correct things in template files, take me through a little bit of uh, what it's actually doing there. And when I build a custom one, what do I have to do to build a custom one? Okay, yeah, sure. So uh, it's based on the properties that we collect from any of the virtual infrastructure objects. So we're looking at virtual infrastructure, VMs, hosts, clusters, etc. And of course, we collect tons of information about those from vCenter. And then for the benchmarks, we actually have a team that looks at uh, you know, our own benchmarks, the security guide that I mentioned, as well as industry benchmarks, HIPAA, PCI, et cetera. And they'll map those to alert symptoms in vRealize operations. So basically what we're doing is 
we're evaluating each of the vSphere objects, let's say a host, against a set of alert symptoms that aligns to a specific benchmark. And then if, say, on a host, for example, you always want to make sure that NTP service is running, it's set to start with the host, that it's actually configured to point to a time server, that the firewall port is open. So there's four items right there, right, related to NTP on a host. And we'll check those. And if one of those is not as it should be, then you'll be alerted to that. Uh, and what's nice is vRealize operations, uh, beginning with 7.5, will actually allow you to run a, an orchestrator workflow to just go ahead and go fix those. So you don't have to go into vCenter and figure out, oh, gosh, where is the setting? Is it in bad settings? What's the key? You know, what should the setting be? We'll, just, we'll take care of all that uh, for you uh, if, if you want. If you don't want, then we won't. <laughs> so it's totally up to you. But the custom compliance comes into play when you have those benchmarks, and let's say uh, a lot of, uh, not a lot, but many administrators will tell me, I don't really care about compliance on VMs. When my audit team comes to talk to me, they're interested in ESXi hosts or the networking or something like that. That's what they want to know about. Uh, so you can take all the compliance alerts for any of the benchmarks related to ESXi hosts and bundle them into your own custom compliance template that only alerts you know, against those benchmarks on the ESXi hosts in your environment, and then you can just ignore the rest or turn, turn the rest off. So that's a little bit of the capability that you have with custom compliance, as well as creating your own compliance alerts and adding them in as well. Now that's actually neat because, I, you know, when I ran a data center, that, was, that is the truth that you, you, you care about what you care about. And it's nice to have all these other things, but the truth is, I just want to have my own that I can run, and then I can either show my audit team, or I can know uh, as a senior manager that you know that we're you know we're we're looking out for things. And right, what level do you want? Do you want it at ESX uh, ESX host, or do you want it at at the VM level, or do you want it at some other level? Uh, that just depends on uh, how critical your app is and what you care about, right? So I could see mm -hmm. having custom uh, custom templates that allow us to do that uh, makes a lot of sense. Um, everybody hates compliance. Uh, I only think that uh, only security <laughs> out of compliance when the things that we're annoyed that we have to do, but we have to do them otherwise. Right. <laughs> right. Um, okay, so we, we got that. Uh, so you guys have done a lot of work in just from 7.5 to 8.0. Were there 7.6 and 7.7, .7, or were there minor releases along the journey here? I'm trying to, before we get into what does it mean to upgrade, uh, I'll just ask that question. How often are you guys doing releases? And um, are these fairly you know, uh, simple to, to stay on, on the current releases? So how often are you releasing, or did you just bump the number for fun? And then what does it take to, to keep uh, things upgraded? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I we're, we're at about – oh, go ahead, John. Well, no, I was just going to say, as far as the, the numbering is concerned, you know, you saw vRealize Operations 8.0, but you also saw all the other vRealize products match up to that yeah. numbering, right? So we had some mismatches there. So that was the primary reason for that. Not that there weren't a lot of significant upgrades to those products, but our release cycles for the on-premises – have been about every six months. So two times a year uh, has been our normal cadence. Usually we have something in the spring, and then we'll have something for around the VMworld U.S. time frame uh, or between U.S. and uh, Europe time frame. Uh, now, yeah, and that was, a, that, was softball. that was a softball question. I know we got a lag because you guys are remote, <laughs> but it was a softball question to say you finally aligned the numbers up. So they were all, all the, the – uh, you realize now has right. a, a common number set, right? Yeah, exactly. Now, uh, what our plan is for the v, uh, v realize operations cloud is we actually intend to do much quicker updates, and then uh, we'll release features sooner on v realize operations cloud than you would get them. At, we'll continue to do every six months for the on-premises version, the traditional version, uh, and then you'll get all the updates that we pushed out to cloud in you know, the next update bundle. So that's another incentive for going through vRealize Operations Cloud. Yeah, I, I don't like that. Shoot me in the head, right? Like, 
I, I get it. Now, I, I, I guess we could spin this of, hey, if you want to go play Tinker Toys, go to the cloud version because it's all got the new stuff that's going to break. And then in hardcore land, back in your data center, you know, run the stuff that's actually you know, a rev behind. So I'll spin it that way. How's that? That, 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 that sounds Hey, whatever cool. works, man. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, I can see where that's, that's, that exactly, that's exactly why we're doing it. It's easy to do it in cloud uh, because we own the infrastructure. We, know, we own the environment. And so we can manage to that versus packaging up and deploying. You have to deploy it, and somebody has to go install it in the, in the data center. Speaking of uh, install, because we're coming up near the end of the, the, the hour, but uh, we got a little bit of a late start, so we got a little bit of maybe five more minutes or so. Um, how, how hard is it to upgrade this stuff? Matt, you want to take that one? Sure. I, you know, there, there's a lag here. I didn't want to step on you, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it, it's not that difficult. You know, it's it's right along the lines of previous releases. So um, one of the cool things, and we haven't talked about this yet, is uh, we're actually in in 8.0. We're moving to uh, off of SUSE to uh, Photon OS, and you know nice. that may sound like it could be a pain in the butt. Maybe I have to stand up another re-realize operations cluster and migrate everything over. No, thankfully you don't. So we're, we're actually um, doing this as an in-place upgrade. Um, so it works just like, you know, previous versions. You just have a, um, a pack file that you upload and uh, it just does the rest for you. So it actually um, rips and replaces uh, um, SUSE, uh, actually kind of slides it over a little bit and, um, um, yeah, boots up on, on Photon. You don't have to do any sort of data migration, anything like that. So, um, you know, despite a lot of changes kind of uh, in the underlying um, uh, virtual appliance and so forth, it's actually a, a pretty straightforward process. Notice, notice I did a single pack file, man. Notice yep, I was single pack file. Correct. Notice how politically correct I was, and I said nice instead of, oh, God, shoot me in the head again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. That's great. Uh, so it is kind of cool. <laughs> I like our own OS. I like it's Linux, and so yeah. So okay. So you've got that covered. Other things that we have to worry about when we're trying to get to 8.0. Run the pre-upgrade uh, assessment. So uh, you can go to the same place that you download product. Uh, there's a pack file, uh, PAK that you can install and it's it's the pre-upgrade assessment and when you run that it'll actually give you a report of any things that you need to fix or correct or be aware of that may be impacted by the upgrade for example one of the things is uh, the administrator password is expired and it will actually let you know uh, if that's the case uh, and it'll recommend hey go before you start the upgrade go you know upgrade update the uh, password uh, if there are any metrics that have been deprecated, you know, uh, or replaced with different metrics that you happen to be using in some custom content that you've built, it'll actually give you a report of that and say, oh, you need to go update these dashboards because you use this metric and we suggest using this new metric uh, for that instead. Uh, so that's probably the most important thing. And of course, read the release notes, read the release notes, read the release notes. One more time, right. John. <laughs> I don't want anybody to get shot in the head. So. <laughs> right? Just do it. Why bother reading the manual? Just, just, just <laughs> start clicking your mouse. Make it happen. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, great, great, taking us through what we could get time for. Uh, are you guys uh, going to be at VMworld Europe, uh, or did you run sessions? to talk about some of the stuff uh, for vRealize operations, you know, think cool features uh, at VMworld US that now all the recordings are up and free on VMworld.com. So did you guys have any sessions and then are you going to VMworld to do more sessions? Either one is fine because we record everything. So uh, what's the deal on sessions? Did you guys do anything for VMworld this year? Yeah, quite a bit. Um, I covered, uh, it's uh, one on uh, vSAN, uh, vRealize operations for uh, uh, vSAN uh, with my buddy Pete Keeler over in um, the HCI BU. Um, that is HCI 1339, and we're doing that out in Barcelona, and we uh, 
um, yeah, the recordings are available for that one. So, um, uh, you know, John's, uh, uh, I'll, I'll let John talk about his, uh, you know, we've got some of the new kind of covering um, a lot of the, the what's new, a lot of these features will actually dive in deeper to these. So if you want to see um, these in uh, action before you go ahead and upgrade or um, try out the product for yourself, um, those are out there as well. So a uh, whole bunch of sessions. We've yeah. got one on uh, costing too, if that, if that interests you. Um, you know, our, our teammate Brandon Gordon just went uh, really deep into costing and uh, a lot of good stuff. So I'll let John talk about his sessions here. Yeah, I've got, and I feel bad I don't have the session numbers uh, handy, but, you know, just search for my name, I guess, in the yeah. catalog. But, uh, I, I had two sessions, one on, uh, it's called Monitor All the Things, and it's basically about our app, app monitoring or app application awareness in realized operations. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff in there, a lot of cool demos that were recorded for that. Uh, also did a session on the realized operations cloud, so an overview of that. There's also a good session on what's new in VRealize Operations that uh, Taruna Gandhi and Dave Overbeek did, and uh, you'll want to catch that one as well. And it's a good overview of all the capabilities that we talked about today, and then for the specific ones, you know, me, Matt, and Brandon did sessions that went deeper into each of those capabilities. Great, great, great. And yes, great. I will be in Barcelona. Yep. Great. Yeah, good. Uh, I told the team, uh, make sure that you allocate another uh, 48 hours of travel time to get in and out of Barcelona because that'll be our luck, right? Like based on all the activities that's right. going on there, we're going to be stuck in a yeah. somewhere, or an airport somewhere or a bus somewhere waiting to get a, in, and a, in and out. But we're excited about it. And I read the latest reports, just so everybody knows, the, the security report coming out of Barcelona is, is not bad. That uh, They're staying away from the venue areas that we're going to be at. Uh, airlines are coming and going. Shuttles are running back and forth. So we're actually green to go, and uh, we don't expect anything different from VMworld going to Barcelona. So both you guys uh, will, will be there. So hopefully we'll, we'll get to meet up in the community area. If you come by and say hello, that would be awesome. Um, and I'll just do a shout out to John, uh, John Diaz, Senior Staff Technical Marketing Architect, Cloud Management uh, Business Unit, and uh, you can follow him at John D D I A S. So John D D I A S, two Ds, and uh, Matt Bradford, Senior Technical Marketing Manager, Cloud Management Business Unit at VM Spot. So, so John uh, and Matt, thanks a lot for coming on the show and give us, giving us the 8.0 pitch, and, uh, and we're looking forward to be seeing your sessions online at VMworld.com. So thanks for joining us on the show. Hey, you bet. Thank Thank you. Pleasure thanks for having us. Yep, yep, fantastic. Um, all right, uh, we will be back again next week, uh, Wednesday, one last podcast before we hit the road to Barcelona. Uh, I think we're going to try to get uh, somebody to come and talk to us about vSAN, right? And what's new with vSAN and hyper-converged infrastructure. We'll see what we have for next week. Until then, everybody, uh, we do have some barbecue. Uh, Tony Foster, I see you're on the line in chat. Um, what do you got going for us with regards to barbecue to close us out? So this last week it was pork chops for me, uh, just oh. a traditional grill of pork chops. Nice, they nice. turned out awesome. Now, did you just grill and you didn't rub? You didn't. You just you just threw them on the grill and uh, used some charcoal or or wood or gas. I, what, how, what do you do? How do, you I, do I just threw them on the grill. I'm a charcoal person. Um, right, cool. Wood takes too long for me, and gas I don't like the flavor from. Right. So I'm a I, I, fan. Yeah, I do briquettes, right? Kingsford guy, no problem. And yeah, cool. So you just threw them yep. on, didn't do a rub. I have been desperate to go do uh, Mr. Stubbs since I was in uh, Austin last uh, last week for Tommy Berry's wedding. Mm -hmm. We went to the, we went to Mr. Stubbs, and uh, I'm desperate to just go get the rub and put it on and do some Mr. Stubbs. Uh, uh, barbecue. I might do some pork chops. That sounds interesting because I'm kind of getting tired of just the pork loin, and I've had too many baby back ribs, and I, you know, I I got to do something different. So uh, some pork chops. That's yeah. a great idea. How they turn out? Pork. Uh, they turned out great. Um, I I got a little uh, enthusiastic with the seasoning, but they uh, turned out great. 
the key that's, is you've got to pay attention to them because otherwise you're going to get a uh, real stiff pork chop if you leave them on just a touch too long. Yeah, real dry. I'm a, I'm starting to be a big fan of the temperature monitor, monitors where you stick in the meat while you're doing it, and that's the best way to yeah. not over. And then just Google what the number is, right? And it, you know, if it says 148 or 152 degrees, you know, just do it till it's 152. Make sure they're great braised on each side. And then pull them off before you end up with a tough piece of leather, which is kind of fun to eat. You know, you got to pretend with all your guests that uh, that's the way you intended it, and you really like it to be crispy and leathery. But yeah, that's it. That's it. That's the barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, Tony. Thanks a lot for the report. That's a great idea. We'll we'll give that a try. See how it turns out. I'll come back and let you guys know. Until uh, next week, Corey Romero, uh, Tony Foster, and everybody on chat, thanks a lot. Thanks to Matt and John. Everybody have a, a great rest of your week, and get your shoes worn in for Barcelona. Never show up with a new pair of shoes. Until then, talk to you later. Have a great day. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.